I never knew what to expect. As I entered through the doors of one of the emergency rooms in one of the 17 counties that we, the eight women I worked with, covered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I never really knew what to expect. But like most nights for those many years, I slept with the pager by my bed. Yes, a pager. It was the 90s. I slept with the pager and the wall phone by my bed with my briefcase of paperwork. It was the 90s ready to pick up and move quickly because we only had 45 minutes to make it to any of the county ERs after our pagers went off. That night, the pager went off at 1.30 a.m. I jumped up, I called the ER to get the location, grabbed my briefcase, my cup of coffee, and the keys to my little black VW Bug. It was the 90s. And I took off as I tried to wake up in the cold winter night air. As I arrived at the ER, I did my ritual prayer. Even in my darkest times of disbelief, I still had that ritual prayer before entering the ER. It's funny how need is so often the impetus of faith. I always prayed to God, to the universe, to the ancestors, prepare me for the need inside that room. Give me the grace to be present with what lies ahead and to be open to healing. I would visualize myself protected by love as I entered into whatever the situation might be on the other side of that door. At 24 years old, I was a counselor first responder to victims of violent crime. I met them at the ER immediately following the crime, and I would begin the long work of trauma treatment and served as their advocate mediating the many varying needs and goals of the multiple systems that show up in those moments. The family, the detectives, the doctors, and of course the survivor herself. On this night, after the rushed drive and the ritual prayers, I entered the ER. The nurses, who knew me well by now, called out the room number as I quickly walked past the check-in desk, room seven. I paused, I pushed open the door to find doctors moving swiftly around the table, detectives standing back against the wall. The nurse stepped away briefly, letting me get close enough to begin my work. The woman was badly hurt. She was conscious and alert and in a lot of pain. The only part of her I could really focus on were her eyes. So I sat down near her, overwhelmed by all my senses, and I spoke as softly as possible to still be heard. 
I am so sorry you've been hurt, I said. You are not alone. Everyone in this room is here to help you. But on that night, as I looked in her eyes, on this night, with this woman, the only thing I felt I could do, the only thing I felt like I should do, the only thing that seemed worthwhile to me in that moment was to pray. Was to pray with her and talk to her about a man named Jesus, wounded, broken on a cross, who made God manifest and who was in the end resurrected. I couldn't, of course, because one, she hadn't asked for that, and two, I was a social worker there with a secular agency and I had a job to do, but I felt the need to pray with this woman so strongly that the palms of my hands were hot. I remember feeling like I was holding fire. I was baptized by water at four months old in my little southern Episcopal church, but that night, that night the Holy Spirit came to me and I was baptized by fire. Today in our readings, we have stories of baptism and the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus at the Jordan baptized by John and Paul with some disciples where they feel for the first time as he lays hands on them the weight of the Holy Spirit. What then have you been baptized into? These disciples are confused about the meaning of their baptism, and Paul, who is concerned about the growth of Jesus' followers and their communities, is trying to help them become clear about what is next, to become clear about what they should do with their baptism. In our world today, even in this place, Baptism is confusing. Some 2,000 years later, we still struggle with the deeper meaning and the ritual. Many of us being baptized as infants, others in different denominations, others of us waiting still for the right time, the right place, the right community. Baptism is complicated and nuanced. What then are we baptized into? When we are baptized, we are claimed as God's own. We make a commitment to a life as Jesus' followers, and we commit to, or our family commits us to, a community, a church, a village. Baptism is a mission statement, but it is not the mission Baptism is a ritual act that marks the beginning of a journey, but it is not the journey itself. Baptism is not an event, but a process. Not a moment, but an entryway. An entryway into a thousand encounters with the Holy Spirit. When these disciples say, 
we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Well then, what have you been baptized into? Before I met that survivor in that ER room, before that moment, if I had been asked, what have you been baptized into? I'm not sure what I would have said. But after that moment, it became clear to me that through my baptism, I had been set up. Set up to receive the Spirit and to a work baptized into a call. This is what Paul does for the disciples in our reading today, and what John does for Jesus, and what we are called to do for one another. In our creed, we say, we believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and yet today in our gospel, we hear, you have been baptized by water, but the one who comes next will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Yes, we believe in one baptism, but that baptism is a doorway into a thousand encounters with the Holy Spirit. We, as a community of the baptized, are called to listen for the Holy Spirit, to recognize it when the Holy Spirit descends upon us, and we believe that it will. If I had not been raised in a community of believers, of baptized people, I might, I might have mistaken my burning palms as nerves, or the call to pray may have gone unnoticed or ignored, that I was baptized by water. It's after baptism that Jesus begins his ministry of healing and teaching It's after the disciples encounter the Spirit with Paul that they begin building the kingdom of God in their midst and call it church. Our work as a community is marked by baptism. It is in this moment that we remember to claim our gifts from the Spirit, that we remember to discern together what the Spirit would have us do with those gifts. Do you know the Holy Spirit? I have my story, but you also have yours. We each have stories of meeting the Holy Spirit and feeling it move in us and through us. We, the church, we are here to listen those stories into action. As a community of believers and Jesus followers, one of the most important things we can do for each other is hear those stories and hear where they call us individually and together into action in this broken world. This is what our process has been about in this church recently, listening to the stories of need around us in our city of Asheville. Baptism is just the beginning of the process. This listening for the Holy Spirit is the living out of that covenant. In listening, we hear and feel where God is calling us, and we, the community of believers, are called to validate and affirm that call for each other as baptized. So let us baptize with water. 
And let each baptism be for us a reminder and a preparation for the epiphany, for the thousand encounters with the Holy Spirit that will happen to us, to a call to the work we each have been given in this beautiful and, yes, broken world. Let us tell the stories and let us listen together. Let us hear those stories. And then let us answer over and over with great confidence what it is that we have been baptized into. Amen.